0: This episode of the Pods proudly brought to you by JBEC Mechanical Repairs. With the ever rising cost of living we're all looking for ways to save a few bucks so you can spend it in the areas that you love. One area JBEC can help you is with the rising cost of fuel prices why not remap your vehicle to gain more power and better fuel economy through their chip tuning service. Chip tuning can be done on many vehicles including various trucks and tractors and conditions apply. With over 30 years combined experience in small engine cars and diesel engines, Jade and his team are qualified in both diesel and petrol vehicles. They offer a mobile field service unit including breakdown services, all mechanical repairs, engine rebuilds as well as aircon and auto electrical services. To find out more just find JBEC Mechanical Repairs on Facebook, email Investments at gmail.com or call or text 0492 594058. Tell them Brendan sent you for a free cuddle and trust me that's better than a handshake cause Jade's fingers will crush you. JBEC Mechanical Repairs offering chip tuning. Unleash the power within. On this week's episode of The Pod, I was lucky enough to sit down with Kristen Robertson. Anyone that doesn't know Kristen, she works in the spaces of naturopathy, kinesiology and craniosacral therapy, which some of those terms may be a bit foreign to some people, so it was fantastic to sit down and have a chat to her about um, what those services actually involve and what they are and the the health benefits that they can have to people. So obviously working in that space, we have a good chat about health and nutrition and the different changes that people can make to their diets and uh, and their lifestyles to, uh, to achieve a happier and healthier healthier life. We talk about Kristen's journey herself. It hasn't always been smooth sailing for her. She went through her own mental health journey and uh, took quite a number of years actually to to get back to, uh, to where she wanted to be. And uh, yeah, she went on a bit of a journey traveling uh, all over the world and all over Australia, fulfilling different roles. And Really trying different methods to, uh, to try and heal herself, uh, some good, some not that productive. So uh, yeah, she's really open and honest about uh, some of the mistakes that she made along, along the journey and uh, some of the things that, uh, that really worked well for her. We have a chat about her darkest days and uh, yeah, she gives some really good advice for some people to, uh, to try and turn things around uh, like she did as well we talk about her various roles that she did fulfill along the journey um, Yeah, she's lived a pretty fascinating life she'd been working mainly in uh, in the nursing field uh, traveling as I say around Australia um, working as a nurse and one of the fascinating things to chat to her about was working in detention centers working with uh, asylum seekers so uh, yeah she's got a lot of uh, interesting stories from, from working in that space as well and some of the things that she learnt and uh, yeah, some of the ways that she feels that we can improve in, in that space so she's also worked in the prison system as well yeah, and we talk about her journey and how she got into the natural health space, um, and coming from her own personal experience as well, she talks about why uh, she felt that it really, really helped her um, to recover from a couple of events that she had in her life. It was a fascinating chat. Um, it was really good just to sit down with someone and, uh, and come at, uh, at health and nutrition from a different angle. Uh, a lot of people sort of look only towards Western medicines. Um, Not that she doesn't believe in Western medicine, she thinks there's a place for both of them, but uh, it's really nice just to get a different perspective and and some of the services that uh, the people in the natural space can offer um, that can really really help people. hope you take plenty from it. Enjoy.
1: G'day everybody, welcome back to the Talk Art Podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Briley. And I'm Sonny. We hope you enjoy today's episode.
0: I get a phone call basically saying, that's not it. This sit-down lawnmower is like about three metres long. The time I was finished with it was about half a metre. A fully grown man
1: sleeping with the light on. Shit scared. He's come out of my car with an ankle grinder before. Just yeah, it's just such an important thing for so many. Really, and I thought, holy shit, I'm going to get delisted next. Tomorrow, that's <laughs> so kind of put a line through me. So that's why checking in on
0: your mate or your son or your daughter or your player or your coach or whoever it is, you become the side. I just let him know that you know it's tough, but we're tougher. And he just wrapped those big arms he has got around me and he just said, "Mate, like we'll work through this together, like oh, I absolutely love you."
1: The on Podcast with Brendan Higgs.
0: Kristen Robertson, welcome to the Talk Hard Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. My
0: pleasure, thanks for, for coming in. And we were saying there before, you're actually the first person that's ever brought me a gift, <laughs> which is nice. Um, anyone else out there that's listening that, that's on my hit list, I do take um, gifts and donations as well. But Kristen actually brought me some flowers. Um, probably more for my wife um, for uh, from her farm so you grow a lot of that stuff out there yourself don't you?
1: Yeah so we have Robertson Farm Produce and we grow Alstroemeria that we supply locally to yep. florists and wholesalers yep. into Tasmania and also to Queensland it's a bit of a rough season this year with an insect problem but yep. we're getting through it and riding the waves of the stress that goes with owning your own business
0: (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people want to get into it but there's always also a bit of a dark side to it as well isn't there? there's a lot of stress involved in it and
1: yeah so having your own business and managing 10 staff which is currently down to three and the finances of it and having a bit of a nest egg there to get you through the tough times and thinking have i got enough money to pay the bills next month and it can be a real challenge and yeah. this is our money-making season but it's not turning out that way at the moment so hopefully things turn around soon.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Um, and just talking about business, like obviously a lot of people who will listen to this probably know you through your, um, through your business and can you just give give your business a little bit of a plug on what you do and what you do yeah, on the farm as well because it's sort of tied in together, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: thanks. Um, so I've got Kristen Robertson Holistic Health and Wellness yep. and I do kinesiology, craniosacral therapy and I'm currently studying naturopathy in my fourth year. And so I'm starting to see a few naturopathy patients as well and from people of children right through to elderly and helping them with any of their health concerns. And so I've got a little clinic based up on the farm and I just see people there and we also grow organic food. In a few years we'll have a couple of avocado orchards that come online and we want to be certified organic and biodynamic with those. And we also just have a real passion about healthy food and knowing your producers and having that whole healthy lifestyle and the diet. And we can prevent so much disease and illness through having a balanced life. And yep. being business owners, we're really fortunate in that we do pride ourselves on having that balance with work and life and recreation. And we homeschool our little fella as well. He's seven now. So. It's one of those things that I'm fortunate to help people with what challenges they're going through in life and what they need to set for goals in their health and wellbeing and I can do that through a combination of all my modalities that I offer and I just listen to them and really find out what their goals are and so it's a lot of patient-centred care and it's listening to them and validating their stories and really taking it from their own words and their own experiences because we may all have a similar ailment or health challenge but how we experience it, it can be quite different. So it's just going more into detail with those sorts of things. Yep. Yeah.
0: And sometimes too, do you find that um, different people's ailments and health challenges, like you say, everyone's different, like it, it might be more to do with their lifestyle or they might have stress that sort of brings on a certain thing, whereas somebody else it might be more of a, a medical type thing. Is yes, there's, yeah, definitely. There's not one size fits all for everyone, yeah. is there?
1: Yeah, that's right. And a lot of emotional stress too, like in kinesiology and craniosacral we always say like an emotional stress response will then manifest into a physical symptom so all physical diseases can stem from an emotional aspect as well so really going through with people's um, trauma not that I particularly like that word but an experience that they've been through in their lives it's how it's shaping them and affecting them in their physical life as well. Um, as well as mentally and spiritually. Absolutely.
0: And I think another thing, like I'm a firm believer as well, you spoke there before about um, being organic and eating organically, and I think food plays such a massive part these days in a lot of diseases and and illness, because when you look back, like I know, you know, cancer and illness and things have always been there, but it's just so common these days, isn't it? Whereas, and I think... Again, I'm no expert, but, you know, back in the day, everything probably was more organic, whereas now it's got a lot more, you know, genetically modified and Mm. it's got, you know, preservatives and things put in it. So going back to that organic lifestyle, I don't know, it seems to be something that everyone needs to do.
1: And it's really hard here in Tasmania to source that organic produce. And unless you're growing it yourself or, you know, some backyard growers, like there's a lot of people who also aren't certified but are trying to grow in a more cleaner way and environmentally friendly and looking after the planet and the earth and also wanting to produce healthy food for people to eat so it's just trying to connect with growers as well and grow what you can yourself like it's not always possible with time constraints but unfortunately we are seeing a rise in a lot of cancers but also um, autism and childhood behaviors and developmental delays and things like that and it's just affecting the whole spectrum of life yeah and,
0: and a lot of that do you sort of put back to our diets and foods and things certainly like that? Yeah, yeah
1: definitely like I've um was lucky I was working with a two-year-old the other day and the first time half an hour treatment and he was non-verbal and he was really agitated and quite aggressive throughout the day couldn't verbalize what was going on for him his mum was at a loose ends and I just did some kinesiology muscle testing and he had a few food intolerances or sensitivities and just cutting them out and letting his gut health um, rest and try and repair itself without even doing any supplementation. Within two weeks when he came back for a follow-up appointment he already started to have new words and he was calmer through the day and less agitated and aggressive and his mum was just blown away like how can you do that in half an hour but the results speak for themselves. Mm. So. And and
0: the gut play. Look, this will turn into a real medical podcast. This one because <laughs> I'm I'm right down this rabbit hole. I know how important the gut, um, how important a part the gut plays in yes. your, you know, your emotional and your physical and things yeah. like that. Sometimes you do have to let it sort of cleanse, don't you? And you and, do. and stop feeding that crap into it because then it manifests in other parts of your body.
1: Definitely, it's so complicated and complex, yeah. and the gut plays so many roles and. there's actually this bi-directional relationship, so a two-way relationship with our gut and our brain. Mm. So whenever our mood starts to go down or we feel flat and depressed, we start craving for junk food and things that have that instant hit and make us feel good. But that then imbalances our gut bacteria and microbiome And then we crave those things more and then Mm. our mood and everything continues to go in this spiraling pattern downwards. And it's not until we start cleaning up our diet and watching what we put in our mouths that we can start to balance our gut microbiome again and start to come back out of it. So Mm. it's really important for a lot of different aspects in our life.
0: And unless you get that guidance from someone too, sometimes you don't even realise that you might be having a certain reaction to a certain food. You might just keep sort of putting it into your body, not even realising. Like I, I learnt um, myself, like um, I used to have a, like a little bit of mild anxiety and it would just flare up for absolutely no reason at all. Like I knew that I wasn't stressed about anything or nervous about anything, but it, I felt anxious. Yeah. And I went and spoke to someone about it and they said, well, why don't you try gluten-free and try to cut wheat out of your diet? So yeah. I still have a little bit of it, but it's just much Made a massive difference and that just yes. sort of showed me that I was putting the wrong sort of fuel into my body. My body was having a reaction to it mm. and I, I hardly ever get that anymore. And that's the major change that I, that I made.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I see that a lot with um, particularly children, but just cutting out even things that are healthy, like certain vegetables, mm. they're just not agreeing with them right now. It's not to say they can't have them forever. They might be able to go back on them in two weeks or four weeks time. But the gut just needs a little bit of time to heal yeah. and just take that out of the diet for a period of time. and. Yeah and, yeah, they were able to tolerate it again after that and it Absolutely. doesn't have the same effect anymore.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll get on to, at the end, I'll give uh, give you the opportunity of how people can get in touch with you, but obviously people will know just from that last 10 minutes that you know your stuff. So we <laughs> will we'll, um, we'll, get, we'll a, we better get into your story or we'll end yes. up talking about the medical side of things all day, but I'm sure it'll keep coming up. But um, just go back to the start for us. So you were raised on a dairy farm, you said, were you?
1: Yeah, so I was born over in Wynyard and with loving parents on a dairy farm yep. just 10 minutes out of town. and. Yep. We were so fortunate looking out over Bass Strait and Table Cape, beautiful views, and my grandparents were just next door, so really close to my grandparents on my father's side, there before and after school and weekends, and they were really um, played a big role in our lives growing up, and we were very lucky to have quite a close family on both sides of um, my parents, and two younger sisters as well and just the opportunities growing up on a farm and having animals and horses and yeah just living outdoors and connected with nature
0: great way to grow up isn't it it's fantastic yeah Yeah. and what was what were your memories of the farm like what sort of mischief did you get up to as a kid
1: oh all sorts of crazy mischief (laughs) (laughs) um it was so easy we could just jump the back fence and go down the hill and across the damn wall and there we are nan and and having cups of milo and no one could make milo like nan and oh yeah it was later on it was tea and two sugars and yep. milk and i was like okay right <laughs> <laughs> this is um, how it's done but yeah just jumping on the horses bareback after school and go and get the cows in for dad and yep. stuff like that and having friends over and you put the saddle on the horse and forget to check it and then next minute it's pig rooting bucking across the paddock <laughs> and kids are going flying left right and center and yeah it's just lots of good memories yeah Yeah. it's the best way to learn isn't it yeah absolutely
0: so um so from from there like where did you develop this um obviously when when I'd spoken to you previously you've got a big passion for for helping people do you remember Mm. when that sort of kicked in in your life
1: um so when I was about 14 15 my grandmother had moved into town and they were retired in there and she got diagnosed with cancer she'd unknown to me at the time but she had had multiple diagnoses of cancer before that and always come through it but this time it took hold and it wasn't going away anywhere and so my family including my grandfather and her adult children nursed her at home and looked after her at end of life and we had community nurses coming in and palliative care nurses and they were just so supportive and my nan had her sense of humour and dignity throughout her end of life and joking right up until the last day. And I just remember thinking I'd love to make a difference to people's lives like that and support people through that phase in their life. Yep. And it's um, 20 years ago, a bit over 20 years ago now. And then in end of 2021, grandad passed away in the same home. And we was able to support him and care for him in his own home. Yep. And
0: so you'd come full circle from watching others do it to yeah. you were actually doing it yourself. Yeah. Was so, that sort of a... I know it was obviously a pretty shitty time, but was that like a, a beautiful thing for you? to? Oh, that's what you wanted to do? So
1: beautiful. Like my grandfather passed away in the same bed that my nan died in 20 years ago before that. And he was looking at her side of the bed and just put his hand out to try and hold her hand. And he just wanted to be with her again in wherever, whatever happens after this life whether we go to heaven or whatever and but just the family support like at the time the borders were closed so all his family, adult children were on the mainland in Queensland Mm. and my parents were travelling around Australia in their caravan so they couldn't come home and so there at one stage I was the only um, family member that was here to able to look after him, take him to doctor's appointments and things like that and then when the borders opened up they was able to come and go a little bit um as to what was happening with each individual state and so it was just and then like one would land and then soon as he landed and got off the plane it was like the borders now locked again to mm. victoria and it's just like didn't know whether he was going to be able to stay or whether he was going to have to go and so covid really impacted us um in caring and family being able to come and say, say goodbye to their loved ones yeah and, stuff but um it was just so special yeah be able to do that for him
0: excellent and um so what what inspired you about those people that were caring for your grandmother to to want to do it yourself like what did you see them do that you wanted to do
1: it was just their ability to calm the stress to hold space for people to grieve to give them support um, to care for their loved ones and they were just so loving and understanding caring compassionate and there was just such a beautiful quality to their nature and so then that's what really thought yeah I can do that I can hold that space for others and I do that now in my business at home but I spent 15 years nursing in various roles um, within theater, emergency nursing, rural yep. and remote,
0: so, yep. yeah. So, and we'll obviously go through your journey mm. into nursing. So what was what were the next steps for you to, to, to get into that? So where, where did you go and study and that sort of thing? Yeah, so
1: I was in high school when Nan passed away, so I finished off through you College, and then yep. after grade 12 I went off to university in Launceston. Um, and first year of uni is when my depression really started to kick in. Yeah. I had a really good friend who passed away from suicide and that affected us a lot and just seeing his younger sister who happened to find him after he was had passed away how the trauma um was coming out in her and how she was coping or not coping with what she'd been through and then from then on a lot of our friends in the same circle started to feel depressed and go through depression and different stages of suicidal ideation and attempting suicide and some then did actually commit suicide and pass away and that was just a really tough time going through uni just as a lost soul wandering around not knowing what to do where to go and get help tried lots of different things from excessive drinking and partying and risk-taking behavior to Going to the gym lots, working out really hard, and volunteering. Um, just looking at other vulnerable people and looking at third world countries, and you know, there's always someone doing it tougher than you are. Um, but none of it was really helping. Yeah.
0: So you were and, actually trying to help yourself, or were you mm, trying to distract yourself?
1: Do you? I was trying to help myself yep. for sure. Um, I probably didn't know how. <laughs> yep. I was trying anything that I could. Um, and it was an ongoing journey. It was probably a good 10 years or more that I really suffered with depression. Yep. Um,
0: Do you know sort of what actually brought it on Like initially? <laughs> was it just something that just organically came into your life? or was there, I, Obviously the events with your friends and yeah, your, your group wouldn't have helped, but yeah. you said that it, it popped up before that.
1: Yeah, yep. so I don't know. Like in grade 11, I was a bit of a naughty child and smoked some illegal substances and Things more just marijuana, I suppose. And now I look back on it, and I think whether that contributed to it, I'm not sure. Um, and just was hanging around people that my parents weren't particularly thrilled about. Yeah. Um, and so they weren't exactly positive role models. Um, and there was a couple of years after that just being away from home, and I since then I reflect on it and I'm like well was nursing really my sole purpose and but it was all I knew to help people was to go down the medical field and do yep. nursing um, but I've always been probably more pulled towards natural therapies and alternative healthcare. care yep. and so then in later life I found that um, when I met my husband and stuff he introduced me to that world and that came out And so now I feel like I'm more aligned with who I am as a person um, and what my interests are.
0: In the world today, mental health is an issue which thankfully more and more people are becoming aware of and comfortable speaking about. When choosing a professional to help you, what kind of service would you be looking for? At Lonvara, when asked to describe Mel Purcell's service, clients described it as real, compassionate, empowering, friendly, welcoming inner strength building, a positive, safe, supportive environment and she was described by one source as an absolute legend who enables change with love. Mel offers clinical counselling, hypnotherapy and a professional service which is tailored to the individual. She has a personal approach and makes sure each client's experience is authentic to their needs while also ensuring full confidentiality. Winner of the 2022 Australian Allied Health Awards for Rural and Remote Excellence, you can self-refer or through your GP mental health care plan. Lonvara, Believing in You. And what, so you, you say when your depression came out, what were the telltale signs? Like what sort of, what, how was, did it sort of show itself? Yeah,
1: everything was just really numb. Like to try and get any sort of feeling or excitement about life, like it was just extreme risk-taking behaviour to try and get that thrill or buzz or joy or happiness Um it was just like a big dark cloud over you and things were just dull um just crying and emotional over nothing and just not even the the drive to live like not wanting to get up in the morning and um just thinking it would be nice to go to sleep and not wake up and those sorts of thoughts and yeah, there was some pretty dark days in yeah.
0: there. And so, how dark did your did your days get? Like you said, they got pretty bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That first year uni, um, I was so bad. I'd actually written a plan to um, a letter to my family, sorry, and I had a plan to end my own life, and I was getting, I was preparing myself to go through with it. And after um, my friend passed away and stuff, and seeing how that affected his family and my sister rang my younger sister and she just said at the end of our conversation I love you big sis and I was just like oh shit I can't do that to my family like it would absolutely devastate them and doesn't matter how bad a place I was in I was just like I can't do that to them because there's no going back from that and I can't ruin their lives no matter how shit my life is at the moment and just have to push through it
0: yeah and obviously when people do get to that stage it's unfortunate that some people don't see that there, there's a light can you can you describe what it is actually like to get to that stage and obviously you being in a mm-hmm. um studying in, in a medical field you knew that it was a um like a condition like it was a, a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. and things like that and you knew that you know there were treatments out there available obviously you you, you tried a lot of different things but mm-hmm. did you just think that there was nothing that could help you
1: I don't know it's just like there's no hope sometimes when you're so in such a dark place like you just don't think anything's going to work and I remember there was years of going to psychologists and um, psychiatrists and trying lots of different medications and some medications made it worse in the sense that things got numb like in less pleasure and in life and Um, Even your senses become more dulled, like you smell and taste and things like that. Yeah. I think I probably went on three, four, five different medications before I found the right one that was working. But then when I did get on one that lifted my mood, it also took away your ability to be able to assess dangerous situations. And so I put myself in some absolutely ridiculous circumstances and I look back on it now and I'm like, how the hell did I get through that? I don't know. Yeah, just like um, risk-taking
0: behaviour and that sort yep, of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah, so being a single woman travelling through Southeast Asia and no-one knowing where you are at any given time and just, yeah, consuming way too much alcohol late at night in a foreign country in a different town and, yeah, just, yeah, also... Yeah, lots of things like that. Mm.
0: Yeah. So obviously there'll be a lot of people out there that are that are listening that are probably going through their own mental health challenges Mm. and there might be some that, you know, might be at that really, really low ebb at the Mm. moment. Like in your opinion, what what is the key thing that can turn it around for someone? Obviously that call from your sister um, was pretty important for you. Is that what it mm. takes sometimes? Is it like that being struck by lightning or does it, is there something else?
1: Yeah, There's, and it varies for everyone. Um, for me, it was family because I'm just so family orientated and yep. always have been. Um, and like they didn't even know what I was going through. Like my sister never knew and I don't know if she knows to this day that she probably saved my life with that phone call. Yeah. Um, and it's just sometimes just... if whatever's you're trying if it isn't working try something else like you know the medical system's great there's lots of good medications out there but it's not for everyone and it might not be the right medication for you you might have to try a different one or you might have to just try something else like go and see a counselor or go and have some energy work kinesiology craniosacral which um, i'll get you to tell them people what that is in things. a second too. Yeah, yeah yeah just different things um You know, there's Reiki, you know, there's so many different modalities out there that people can try and different practitioners. And the same thing is, is if you don't click with one practitioner, go and find someone else. Like there'll be someone out there that you'll click with and that'll be able to help you and really understand where you're coming from and help you dig out of that hole. And it's just one foot in front of the other. And it might seem impossible at the moment. But if you just try just the tiniest little bit, whether it's just five minutes a day or one minute, like eventually it'll help. Yeah. It'll help you to get out. So, And
0: obviously, yeah. you know, you're, you're probably a little bit biased because you work in the field, but do you think that, um, not a mistake people make, because obviously they're trying their best, but do you think a lot of people go more down the... The medical I need a pill for this type thing rather than trying like natural things and natural mm. healing therapies and things that like that, that you're right into do you think a lot of yeah. people probably get to those depths because they don't give those things a chance
1: possibly but also they might not know them other things exist yeah. like before I met my husband in 2012 like I didn't know about the natural alternative world like I always had this calling for it and I've got Aboriginal bush medicine paintings at home from when I worked in remote areas that I was drawn to that um, back then before I even know this sort of thing existed. Um, So it's just also having conversations with people about what helped them and what got them through the difficult times and... Just being open-minded to give something a try. Like, yep. don't, just because you haven't experienced it, don't dismiss it because you don't know until you try. Yeah, mm.
0: absolutely. And and so obviously after the, the phone call from your sister, so what were your next steps? Obviously, you know, you're going really well now, but there mm. would have been like a process that you still had to go through. Yeah. I'm assuming you weren't just cured off that phone call.
1: No, no, no. I still battled with depression for another eight years or 10 years after that. Yep um you know th- there was no uh, particular one thing that helped it was a very long journey um always looking for the greener grass and thinking it was over there somewhere but in hindsight it was in my own backyard all the time and so I traveled around Australia a lot working in different places trying to find a lifestyle or a climate that suited me um and also like-minded friends and stuff like that and so I got um, drawn into lots of different areas, n- nothing that actually clicked at the time. Yeah. Um, so you'd finished and, your qualification. By yeah, this I finished time. my nursing degree yep. in 2007, and then after that, I worked here on the northwest coast at Bernie Hospital, and had a bit of time down Hobart. And when I moved to Hobart and was working down there in emergency, things really hit rock bottom down there. Um, I just, I don't know, my relationship with my boyfriend at the time wasn't going very well. I suppose he got sick of caring for someone who was depressed and who didn't have any um, motivation to do anything apart from go to work. And I had my horse down there on adjustment and I would go out and feed him and change his rugs and things like that and look after him. But apart from work and looking after my horse, I couldn't do anything. Like I would be Um, just moping around miserable and my friends would come and pick me up and they would take me down to Salamanca to go and have a pizza and a drink and I just couldn't function I couldn't um, really look after myself very well and yeah so he finally rang my parents and said I think you need to come and get her or do something like and so they come down and packed up my life uh, and all my belongings and my horse and everything and they brought me back home to the northwest coast and I had some time out from working shift work and went back to just doing day work and ended up in theater just so I could take some time to get a proper sleep pattern again because I hadn't been sleeping very well and things like that and yeah, I was just went to a different psychologist and changed um and psychiatrist as well and yep. changed my medication again. And so this
0: was all after the call from your sister?
1: Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yeah, so So it was probably 2005 that I had the call from my sister. And then that was probably 2008 that I was down Hobart. Yep. Um, And then, yeah, after that, I went to the mainland just to run away, I suppose. Like, just, I don't know, really. Um, Yeah, it was a pretty hard time up there. I was up there for three or four months. And then I had another family member that passed away. And so I come home for the funeral and... I just was so unsettled um whilst I was with uh, suffering with depression and sometimes I'd have a job for three months sometimes six or twelve months up to two years but I could never stay in one area I was always lost and searching for something um I was a fantastic nurse in the meantime but um apart from when I was at work I just didn't have anything that was fulfilling me or making me feel like life was worth living yeah. So, yeah
0: yeah so what would you put it down to then for you obviously you know the the call from your sister was a big part of it but then it still took a lot of time didn't it to get oh, to where huge. you wanted to so yeah. is it something that it is a process like you've got to put steps in place over maybe a few years to to get to where you want to Can get to.
1: Be, depending on the severity of it definitely yep. you know i think we all suffer with depression at various times mm. in our lives and or low moods and um, stuff and it could be just something that's quite transient and then there's people who have been suffering with it for many many years and there's it is just um, lots of steps along the road that we have to put in place and you know now I have such a um, self-care routine where I do weekly yoga practices in penguin and I try and do it at home in between and I do like go for cold water swims in the ocean and magnesium float tank and yep. meditation and I use Orosoma and flower essences and different products and things to help me um, just let go of any emotions or anything that I'm hanging on to and trying to control my stress levels Yeah. Um, so things don't get on top of you and you just keep a clear outlook in life yeah so
0: would you say that it's something though that you're never probably fully cured from it's just something that you learn how to manage to a point where it's not a big factor in your life as long as you keep managing it
1: yeah in saying that like off the last um probably 10 11 years now I can say there's been periods where I've been depressed but on a whole I don't feel like it really affects my life anymore yeah um last year Uh, 2022 I was going through a bit of a bit of grief and that was a bit of a low spot um and things were a bit challenging there for a while but I just really scaled back with study and work and just took time out so I had six months out at the end of the year just to really focus on me um we can't all do that unfortunately but just try not to be so busy just try and be more present with ourselves and our thoughts and just um yeah, try and let things go and not hold on to them.
0: Yeah, excellent. That's mm. good advice. One thing that I do want to ask you about, in, in your time in travel, um, you said that you worked in detention centres. I'd imagine that that would be pretty confronting in some ways, but a pretty um, it's not something that everyone would have a good grasp on what sort of goes on and what your role mm. is in those sort of places. Yeah. Are you able to sort of tell us about your experiences working in detention centres?
1: Yeah, yep. yeah. So... Um, as a part of when i was still depressed so probably 2010 2011 i went up to western australia to work in a detention center up there and um it was quite a confronting experience it was a detention center for illegal immigrants or refugees and they would go in there and they would apply for refugee status and at the time when i started the Australian Government had two years to give them a verdict on whether their application was successful or not and then they changed it that it was indefinite um, that once they put in their application for refugee status there was no time frame to when they would get an answer about that and so there was a lot of protesting going on mm. in the detention centers yep.
0: Because um, essentially they're being held in jail until their papers are yeah, the processed.
1: Not much different, yeah. Yep. So, And I also worked at Alice Springs Prison later on, so I've actually seen the detention centre in a prison, so yep. they aren't really that much different um, and stuff. So there was everything from hunger strikes to self-harm to depression to suicides to possibly a murder um, that was covered up and things like that. And... None of this is ever talked about in the media. It was all covered up. Um, we were supposed to never talk about it. Um, people who did talk about it was quickly reminded not to. And I'm only talking about it now because I think what was going on, people should be aware. The media just portrays one story. And they don't necessarily get the other version. And with us signing these contracts that limited what we could talk about, Um, it just made us comply with what was going on and it's not right because there were so many things against humanity that was going on and it's a pretty dark deep hole to get down and I probably shouldn't go into too much detail Um, but that was a really challenging thing for me to go through in some of the stuff that I've seen and witnessed
0: and what was your role in the detention centres I know it was in nursing but what was your day-to-day role what did you have to do?
1: So just doing health assessments on them Also, a lot of them had really um, bad dental um, cavities and things like that and infections, um, dental infections, abscesses, uh, just also keeping an eye on their blood pressure and chronic diseases, doing a lot of blood tests as well. Um, there was GPs there, doctors as well. So we are just like managing their health whilst they're in detention. Um, some people hadn't seen a doctor for many years or ever possibly. Yep. Um, so it was quite busy work and we also provided emergency services to, to people who had accidents or injuries, the self harm, like it was we could try and treat them as much as possible without sending them to the local hospital. And a lot of the time we were able to do that. Some of the doctors we had were anaesthetists and also emergency specialists. So I was able to do a fair bit within the detention centre. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And was most of their behaviour like out of protest? It was a fact that, you know, they hadn't been given a timeline of how long they were going to be kept Definitely, yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, just also they were kept in the dark too by the people, the boat smugglers, that they would catch a boat, Ride over to Australia, like they would tell them to destroy any documentation um, with their birth date and um, personal details and things like that. They had to pay large sums of money to get here, and sometimes they'd turn up to the wharf or the dock to get on the boat, and no one would be there. The people had run away with their money, so then they'd have to come up with the money again, and then they get they would advertise these. Quite nice looking boats for them to get on, and then when they get there, they're, they're, they're these half broken down dingies that are. That's um, why you see a lot yeah. of them
0: sinking and tragedies and things like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: definitely. And so I'm like still really good friends with this um, Afghan man that I met in the detention centre, and he's now a business owner up in Brisbane. Yeah, and he's doing really well for himself. And so he was a
0: detainee. Yeah, he yep. was
1: a detainee. He was in the detention centre when I was there, and he would come and translate for me after hours when we didn't have a translator. He had really good English and could speak many different languages. And yeah, it was, he actually saved me in quite a scary situation um, in the detention centre. So I'm very grateful for his friendship. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: And I'd imagine for a lot of them too, when they jumped on this boat, they didn't know that they would be locked in a detention centre when they got to Australia. Was that not? No. They just thought that they'd just, you know, walk off the dock and start living a new life. Is that honestly what a lot of them think?
1: they had no idea what was waiting for them when they got here they didn't know yeah. how they were going to be processed and handled they just heard all these amazing things about the wonderful country that we call home and they're like oh wow let's go to australia and make a new life for ourselves like cuz they were fleeing from political um refugees and things like that like if they had different beliefs to whoever was in rule at the time then they would be yeah persecuted and stuff like that in their home countries and the other thing also is some of these countries, if they're out of, away from that country for more than two years, then they're no longer classified as a citizen of that country. So if Australia holds them indefinite in a detention centre, then they've actually got nowhere to return to. Yeah. So that was another big thing for them. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did, um, did many of them get processed and then they're able to, I'm going to show them ignorance yeah. here, I'm sorry, but did many of them get processed and then are able to then, um, com- um, transition into society.
1: Definitely, yeah. Yep. So there was a lot of people who got taken back on planes to their countries that they come from. Yep. And so Australia was um, hiring and contracting quite big um, Boeing planes to take people back uh, to Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq and um, Sri Lanka and things. Um, but there was a lot of people that integrated into the communities and so then there would be community situations like hotels, that were hired by the Australian government or contracted by the Australian government for them to go and stay there. And then there would be social workers and people supporting them to integrate into the community and helping them find jobs and yep. learning the language mm. and customs and things like that. Yep. Yeah.
0: So what actually dictated the ones that, that would get processed and who got processed before the others? Like, What were the actual prerequisites? I've
1: got absolutely no idea. Okay. It was a very... um. Uh, wasn't transparent at all as to the process and because if these people don't have documentation one of the biggest things was about about security checks because as we know through the media and everything is a lot of them are portrayed to be potential terrorists and stuff so it's like how can we do a security check on these people if they've been told to destroy all their documentation we don't know who they say they are and a lot of them have very similar names. They didn't know their date of birth, so they wouldn't tell us. And so then it would make it very hard to know who they were. A lot of the people that I actually met were extremely kind, caring, compassionate people who were quite skilled in different trades, and doctors, lawyers, dentists. Um, some of them were builders, electricians. and There was a few people that were quite angry towards us, Um, and so I had a stereotype of a particular um, nationality, and then when I've come out of working in that environment, I've had family go and travel in those countries, and they're not like what I experienced, they were actually lovely people there as well. Yeah. Um, so it just we can't always stereotype people mm. into one category or another.
0: You've got to take into account the environment that they're in and how that's contributing to their behaviour, don't you? Yeah. yeah. This episode of the pod would not be possible without the support of Sam and the team at Infinite Joinery and Design. If you're like me and normally need to get these guys to come in after you stuff up your latest home renovation, here's an idea. Get them in first and save the hassle. Specialising in new home joinery fit-outs, renovations, kitchens, laundries, wardrobes vanities and solid timber work and project management, Infinite have 3D design software and Sam alone has over 20 years' experience in joinery and project management. Located at 6 Bay Drive, Koiber, come in and have a browse of their colour selection studio or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can contact Sam on 0429 291 008 or email sam at infinitejoineryanddesign.com. So don't be like me. Get the experts in first and save yourself some money and a fear stressing down from the better half. And just speaking of the environment, obviously you were still on your own mental health journey. What sort of impact did that have on you being in that sort of environment? And I'd imagine that you would have had to take extra steps to make sure that you weren't, Mm. you know, spiralling out of control. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was still pretty dark days then too for me. Yep. Um, I was still taking antidepressants and I was drinking way too much and I had a terrible diet which certainly wouldn't have been helping like as a nurse like living on um, takeaway and fast food and just convenient stuff when you're working double shifts and overtime and things like that. Um, and also up there in um, northern Western Australia, the, just the ability to access fresh food was quite difficult. And whenever there was floods on, there's everything just gets cleaned out in the supermarket shelves So it's pretty much what you can buy is what you have. Like yep. there's not much available. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you spoke there before about um, your transition in, into natural medicine. Um, tell us about that time. You actually um, were introduced to that through your husband, you said. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So,
0: so that was when you came back from working on the moment? Yeah,
1: so I was still working over at this stage. I was working over in Queensland on a five-star resort as a nurse and doing... Glamorous just, lifestyle? Oh, well, it certainly appeared <laughs> Looks <glamorous>. like it. <laughs> it. It was probably worse than working in a detention centre oh, or wow, a prison okay. because of um, some of the behaviours that I was having to manage and the accidents like it was quite um emergency st- sort of stuff that I was doing over there um and often by myself I was supposed to be with a nurse practitioner but we had trouble with staffing so I spent six weeks by myself and some of the stuff I was managing was pretty hairy and yeah. um, luckily all the patients survived and um which was a testament to my ability at the time, but. Mm. Um, yeah, so my mum asked me to come home and farm sit for them while they went traveling. And whilst I was home, her and one of her colleagues, um, which was my husband's best friend, set us up on a blind date. Right. Yep. So we're actually in an arranged marriage. <laughs> um, Somebody
0: knew better than you, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I don't always see eye to eye to my mum, bless her, but um, <laughs> she did all right in this particular circumstance. Good old mum. And, um, yeah, so we after our first date, we were still a little bit unsure and we had a follow-up date within the same week and I took him horse riding and tested out his skills and he was into horses too yep. and yeah i put him through his paces and he came out shining <laughs> at the end of it so i thought oh well, he's give him a go you'll be all right we'll hang on to this one and um yeah so 11 years later and yeah been married for 10 years this year and stuff yep. so beautiful congratulations um, yeah some don't last that long and <laughs> know uh, he's great like he's really caring and supportive and yeah so he introduced me to the world of natural therapies and his auntie and uncle Pete and Grada Robertson have the Purple House in force, and so I went there and they helped me with my journey Um, uh, come off uh, the oral contraceptive pill 12 months beforehand and hadn't had a period for 12 months and went to them and had an energetic um, clearing with kinesiology and done a hormone correction and lo and behold the next day I got my period and I was like wow Mm. like what's going on here this is a pretty big coincidence and then they also helped me a lot with my depression and processing certain things that I'd experienced and been through in my life and and then I was like yeah this is powerful, this can really help people and have an astounding impact on their lives and I'd seen that with so many people that they work with and Grada taught me kinesiology initially and then I went through with Philip Rafferty up in Deloraine who um, came up with the modality kinesiology and learned through him and have done all the different units and modules and master classes and things and he's just a fantastic person to learn from and just doing the units alone you do so much healing on yourself and you exchange uh sessions with the other students and so you get a lot um done on you as well and so that was pretty profound and it's supported by experienced practitioners and then um After that I learnt craniosacral therapy from Sarah Ann Barker and she's been another amazing practitioner that's helped me a lot with depression and going through different things in life and I still see her regularly. That's a part of my self-care routine and um so i probably go once a month or every six weeks and just have a fine tune up and keep on top of things
0: and so you you were um sort of learning all these natural therapies and things obviously you were still um, working in the traditional medicine field but you were sort of doing a bit of a transition where you You always planned to then go out on your own and, and transition over to the natural
1: side yeah so i was like since probably 2011 2012 I well, 2012 is when I really got into the natural side of things and then I doubled in both so I still did nursing and then I did the naturopathy stuff and natural healing on the side yep. and then like I'd always do one flat out and then the other one would go on pause and that just like chop and change back yep. and forth and I couldn't work out how to blend them together and then in 2019 I come off my horse and broke my back and uh, when I landed I knew straight away that I'd done something pretty major and luckily I had my phone in my waist pocket and I got it out and I called my husband and I said, you better come down the bush, I've just come off and I need help. And um, my horse had got to the gate and he was about to turn around and nick off back down the bush and I said, oh, I've got to try and get up here. And so I pulled myself up on this little sapling of a tree and was able to get my horse but it was so painful Mm -hmm. like I can barely put weight down through my leg and stuff and but i couldn't lay down because he was so hyped up he would have just trodden on me or something stupid Mm. and so i waited there until my husband got there and he's like you hop in the land cruiser and i'll take your horse home and i couldn't get in the vehicle i couldn't lay on the back seat i couldn't get in the driver's side it was just i couldn't lift my leg and I was just in so much pain and I was like no nah, I can't do it and so he rang someone to come and get my horse and then he rang our other neighbor and they brought down a little buggy like and stuff a gator and so I got in that and he took me up and he'd called the ambulance and the ambulance met us at the top of the hill by the time we got up there and one of the blokes the paramedics I was friends with him through nursing and he said I looked at you and thought you were in so much pain, you were in labour or something was wrong. <laughs> and he said, but I didn't see a bump, so you weren't in labour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sort of pain, though. Yeah.
1: And um, so he gave me some fentanyl on the way to emergency and so I got a young doctor and he said, oh, no, you've just done a soft tissue injury, you'll be right, just have some Nurofen, you can go home and take it easy for a couple of days. I'm like no I said I'm pretty sure I've broken like T12 L1 and he's like nah 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 and he was like completely dismissing it and then the head of emergency department walked past and she recognized me and she came in and she said oh what happened and I told her the story of coming off my horse and she's like mechanism of injury CT now straight away like like, get us some proper pain relief and all the rest of it and she come on to this young doctor pretty harsh and
0: (laughs) learning experience yeah yeah.
1: and um poor man getting a nurse to deal with eh? yeah um (laughs) and a headstrong woman (laughs) of all the people that
0: could have come in today
1: (laughs) anyway so i went and had the ct and he had to come back in afterwards and apologize to me and he's like yeah you've broken l1 l2 transverse processes so he gave me some decent pain relief and then still sent me home which was good Because on my way home, I stopped at a friend's house and she gave me an energy healing and gave me some homeopathics and a herbal tincture and, like, I was throwing all the goodies at it. And then when I got home, like, over the next few days, I had every second day someone was coming into my home to do craniosacral or bone therapy, kinesiology. And within three weeks, I was completely healed and back doing everything I was previously. And I don't have any issues to this day with it and so it was that integrated approach with natural like western medicine and going to emergency and getting the pain relief but then following it up with natural health and doing everything he can to have a holistic program yep. tailored to that pers- specific injury. It's
0: interesting that you talk about Peter and Grata. I think Grata's journey sort of had something like that too. Didn't she have a car accident or something? And she's like completely healed now through natural stuff. I must have read, she wrote a book or something. She did, yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: so... Yeah, that was. I think her um, accident was much more serious than mine and life threatening. And she went through quite a long journey um, with her injuries. But yeah, that's what um, there was probably a few things they were already going down the natural health route before then. But that really kick started stuff in a big way for them. Yeah.
0: and obviously there's a lot of big differences between natural and conventional medicine but what's your philosophy on them as far as what the differences are like if you had to outline it to someone
1: well there's benefits of both like in the past I've um kind of become a bit jaded with western medicine I suppose and all the things how we let patients down and there isn't always answers within the medical system but I think that's where where there's not answers in the western medical system you might find answers more in natural therapy or um, naturopathy, kinesiology, um, all these modalities that there's answers there to be gained or gleaned upon um, and so we just need to explore those more and if people aren't getting on top of things, is They just need to ask well is there something else i can be doing um there was one lady recently who i saw in a coffee shop and she was going to a gp with sciatic pain and got put on really strong painkillers but it still wasn't doing anything and i got talking to her and she was going to a physiotherapist as well and that wasn't helping and i was like have you tried magnesium supplementation or have you done craniosacral therapy or like there's an emotional thing going on and all these sorts of things and she's like no I haven't tried any of that and then one session and it's completely gone like because she had so much emotional stuff going on in her life and um yeah so it's just really there's always answers out there it's just knowing where to look is hard sometimes yeah
0: Yeah. do you find though that the society's attitude towards natural therapies is starting to to get better or is there still like a certain um certain people are a bit wary of it like of not going down that side of things or has that really changed
1: yeah i think it's really changed a fair bit like i just i well unless it's who i associate with too probably to a large extent but Um, I just find even having conversations on people you're sitting next to on the plane or in a cafe or whatever, like people are just more now looking for answers, like they're just starting to think that's not helping me or I'm not getting anywhere, what can I do next? And so they're starting to open their mind up to other possibilities. Yeah.
0: How scary is it in this day and age how much we rely on modern technology? It's not till your phone dies or the Wi-Fi or power goes off that you realise you'd be lost without it. Well recently my phone decided in its old age to die and stop charging, and on a weekend no less. So what do you do? Rather than waiting to speak to the network providers or retail outlets, which can be painful within itself, give Brad or Katie a call at Greenies Apple Repairs. That's what I did, and they had my old phone as good as new in hours. Greenies take care of iPhones, iPods, iPads and pretty much everything else and they won't cost you an arm and a leg. So next time you're stuck back in the dark ages with no technology, contact Greenies Apple Repairs on 0401 229 220 or you can contact them at www.greeniesrepairs.com.au or find them on Facebook. Now just to get onto this busted screen. Now, you've obviously, you know, when when you're talking about your work and your therapies and things like that, you know things like the back of your hand, but there's probably a few things that you've said that people have got absolutely no idea what they are. So I just wanted to just go back on a couple of them just so you can describe what they actually are. So, kinesiology, just tell people what that involves.
1: Yeah so it's uh, muscle testing on the client or I just muscle test on myself because that's easier is to find imbalances in the client so whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual um, and in imbal- energetic imbalance that's impacting their lives in some way and so then we can balance that through energizing different chakras of the body or energy centers um glands or organs um and we just use that by a bit similar as to reiki and other modalities as using um life force energy that we target with our hands and put our hand over a certain area of the body um so for instance the throat chakra is directly over the throat sure. Um, and so we would just direct that energy over the throat. And sometimes we might use flower essences or um, aromatherapy to help balance that as well. But there's yep. lots of things we can bring into that yep. treatment. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Craniosacral therapy, yeah, tell me yeah. about that.
1: Um, so that was developed by John Upledger, who was a osteopath. And he felt like there was more to it than just osteopathy. And it was dealing with more the energetics of the cerebral spinal fluid um, and how that impacts upon the body physically and emotionally and spiritually as well. And so we can balance the energy of that cerebral spinal fluid which comes up the spine from the coccyx or the tailbone all the way up the spine, through the neck, or the back of the um, cervical spine in around the brain. So it's between the skull and our dual membrane and the brain. And so if this is stuck or sticky and it's causing an impingement somewhere, then it can cause an imbalance in our body. Um, and so we're just directing energy through our hands. So it's a bit like a fancy head massage, really, I suppose um and that we can balance that energy and stuff so yeah
0: awesome and you do all of these all of these things through your business don't you yeah i certainly do so why did you decide to go out on your own did you you always want to have your own business or was it a um
1: i could work and i like working for other people as well but working by myself and having my own business is I can set my own hours, um, having the other business with the farm, I can work around my husband's hours and we've got a seven year old son who we homeschool now. So just being able to work together as a team so everyone can do what they need to do. It's just much easier working for yourself rather than trying to work for someone else and you can have those flexible hours. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Awesome. And what would you say is the best part about your role?
1: Oh, just seeing the changes in people's lives like from young newborns and like young children middle-aged people right through to the elderly just the changes even within a fortnight or four weeks is incredible and it's just astounding how profound energy work and natural medicine is as well as naturopathy and diet and lifestyle yeah um because because you know people can be pumping multiple tablets a day that mm. they're getting in prescriptions and they don't seem to be going anywhere or improving and they're just getting like what's the point of it all kind of thing and then they come and see me and it's just simple things that have such a big difference, yeah. Yeah,
0: awesome. And what would you um, say is the hardest part of your role? What's the biggest challenge?
1: Um, trying to probably help people... Um, change their mindset i suppose Yep. is and also sometimes um limited knowledge too like i have a lot of knowledge and i'm very grateful for that but there's always more to learn there's always more to bring into a situation and uh, people sometimes come to you because they are stuck and they need answers but then they're not really ready to make the changes either so sometimes i find that challenging in trying to convince them just to do small changes at a time but it's to make it small and achievable so then they will continue to because if we put two bigger goals and targets in place and it's just too hard not going to do that yeah it's a waste of their time and mine so
0: it's like anything i suppose if somebody starts like going to the gym or pt like you know you or you know if they if they start taking up running well they're not going to run you know 5ks in under 20 minutes their first run are they Setting small goals and getting along there but you do find that though a lot of people will come and see you but they're probably not quite ready to to really embrace it they're they're, maybe somebody else has said to come and see you or something like that is that the, the issue? I think
1: they're probably desperate um but sometimes we still want the quick fix yeah um and so it's just trying to get people ready to say okay it might not be that quick fix of taking a tablet right now um we can certainly do supplementation but we also need to look at other things we need to cut out certain toxins or pollution um that's in our diet or in our life like in our home and different things like that and you know we're all pretty time poor these days i think it's getting Mm. worse as the years go on yeah um but sometimes we just need to even cut out half an hour a day or 10 minutes to invest in ourselves yeah yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, another thing that I want to talk to you about just quickly is, um, again, through through my own experiences, I've really benefited from um, or felt the benefits of magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you talked about magnesium floats. That's not something that I've tried yet, but my wife has. But can you sort of talk about magnesium and, and then talk about the floats and how that works?
1: Yeah, okay. So... Magnesium is just needed for so many different enzyme pathways in our body, from our digestion of carbohydrates to neurotransmitter production, um, which is all your happy hormones mm. and all those sorts of things, to muscle health, and like if you get muscle cramps and things like that, and it can become balanced. And a lot of the magnesium supplements that we get in a health food shop or pharmacy or the supermarket. Some of them aren't readily absorbable. So depending on how they are, like magnesium oxide, for instance, that's really poorly absorbed. So you're actually taking it, but you'll be excreting most of it. Um, So there's like an amino acid chelate or things like that is more easily absorbed. And then there's like practitioner or prescription only magnesium supplements as well, which will be even more absorbable, but also higher dosing. So a lot of the doses that we're taking from a supermarket or a pharmacy is so low it might not be doing anything so people's like oh no magnesium won't work it won't help but they're just not taking enough of it or in the right form. Um, And then also we absorb much more um, topically or transdermally than we do through um, taking a tablet and powder. So that's why magnesium floats are really good and taking it or have a lotion or a cream that we can put on. Yep. Um, So so, the
0: magnesium floats, you just absorb it while you're floating. Yeah.
1: So it's just like a shallow bath that's just a super concentrated magnesium um, solution. And because it's so high in magnesium, you just float on the top of the surface of the um, water, the liquid, and it's just so relaxing. Like, while you're doing it, everyone experiences it differently, but yep. it's just also a time that you're really present with yourself. You're almost in a meditative, relaxed state. Um, it's just such a magical experience. I go up in Launceston to Liquid Zen. Um, and have they have a subscription where you do a monthly float and if you do them regularly it's at a reduced price and things like that and yeah. I incorporate that in with a meeting for naturopaths and herbalists and so I'll have a day out in Launceston once a month this year doing that and yeah yeah, that's just another part of my self-care routine.
0: Awesome. Mm. Well, my wife's been on to me for ages to try these magnesium floats. So I will because, as I said, I've already um, felt the benefits of magnesium. Like I have a magnesium supplement every night before I go to bed. Yeah. And that was part of, you know, my own self-care, I suppose, with around anxiety and stuff. I got told, you know, try magnesium. And, mm. you know, again, I can only speak from my experience, but, yeah, I, I'll take them for the rest of my life. I think they're brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm sort of quite physically active too so yes. I suppose it probably helps me with a lot of injuries and yep. stuff like that as and well. And that's
1: it like everyone's magnesium requirements are different and then also probably as a safety caveat as well is that depending on what medications or chronic diseases you have high dose of, supplement, of magnesium supplementation might not be appropriate either mm-hmm. um, because it could put extra strain on the kidneys and um, renal um, production as well yeah. so you just need to be mindful of those things. So if you do have chronic health issues, then you probably need to go and see a practitioner about what dosing to take um, and stuff, just to make sure it's safe as well. Yep. Yeah,
0: awesome. Well, like I said, just just from talking to, and obviously people can hear you know through your experiences and just through your um, your um, your learnings that you've taken over your journey. You obviously know your stuff. How do people get in touch with you if they want to um, want to use your services? What's yeah, the best way so- to do that?
1: I have a website, so au. Yep. Um, and I'm also on social media, Instagram and Facebook, just under my name. Yeah. Um, so people can look me up on there and send me a message. Yep. Yeah, and also run monthly women's circles as well, just um, for women to connect and talk about women's health and different challenges and yep. stuff. You and know. you
0: facilitate those, do you? Yes, you, yep. okay. yeah.
1: so they're starting back up again March this year. So I was running them in 2021 and then had to stop for a while when I was caring for my grandfather um, and had last year off just to have a bit of a rest and recoup. And now back into it again this year. So awesome. there's just the dates are being released now.
0: Yep. Awesome. Well I'm sure after yeah. people listen to this you'll be inundated now <laughs> with people coming in. <laughs> Let's hope so anyway. Have you got yeah. much space at the moment? You're pretty busy or
1: Yeah, I'm pretty busy, but there's always room to take on new clients. That's and good business practice, and, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's also having a quite patch at the moment with the farm with the flowers that's going through a bit of a downturn so that means I do have more time available to be working in the clinic whilst it's quieter there so and then yeah the women's circles they're just getting back up and running so they'll probably fill up fast but always willing and happy to take on new people who are wanting to come along and
0: awesome Great. Well, they're pretty much all the questions that I've got for you. Um, uh, It's been been awesome just talking through your journey. And I just think there's so many people out there that will be listening that mental health is such a big, big thing in society today. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, one of the reasons I love getting people like yourself in is, you know, you look so happy and healthy now. And obviously, you know, it hasn't been something that's just happened at the click of a finger. There's certain steps that you've got to take. And I just hope that anyone that listens to this, might take a few learnings out of your journey and a few things. And and certainly, you know, obviously now they know that, you know, there's certain ways they can get in touch with you. Somebody might be relatable to you for that reason. Um, And the other thing too is that they can see how, you know, your natural therapies can help contribute towards your mental health and your overall journey. So it's been awesome. And, yeah, thank you very much for coming in and, and being so open and honest about your journey. And, yeah, you should be really proud of yourself for getting through that. And, yeah, hopefully everything continues to go really well in the business for you
1: yeah thank you very much for having me on i was a bit nervous and i'm glad it's just sitting down and having a chat to you in your studio <laughs> that's a good I...
0: plug for anyone else that i want to get in it is pretty casual in here pretty cruisy
1: yeah it's been great thank you for awesome. being a wonderful host thank
0: you It's awesome to sit down and have a chat to someone and just come at uh, health from a different perspective and like I said, even though Kristen is mainly involved in the natural space she still feels that there is a place for western medicine there, so if there's anything uh, that's come out of that chat that that you think might help you or you're curious about it and you want to find out more information, make sure you uh, you contact someone uh, from the natural space like Kristen and there's a number of other great services uh, around the northwest as well, so you might be able to get some information that uh, might make all the difference to you. Um, Thanks again for Kristen for coming in and uh, and like all of our guests uh, being open and sharing her story particularly along the mental health journey that she's gone on and uh, I think there's uh, again lots of information and lots of uh, great tips and, and things that uh, the people in, uh, can get out of that and, uh, and one of the things with it is that you know mental health is a journey it's not something that uh, a bolt of lightning is going to hit you and suddenly it's going to turn things around uh, you know there's a number of steps that need to be put in place and sometimes it does take time you've just got to stay the course and yeah it was Really uh, interesting to, to find out uh, the certain steps that she took along the line and the certain things that, that really, really helped her. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon. For anyone out there having their own struggles who wants to have a chat to someone, you can call Lifeline on 131114, Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978 or you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 22